Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. And that is why you don't share sweaty gym socks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, you guys, on that note, let's take a break. What would you all like to drink? Can I get some more water, please? Sure. Can I get another bubbly, please? Sure. Can I have a water, please? Okay, sounds good. Oh, and can I get a milk with ice and cayenne pepper? Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start off today just by getting into the text and really setting our hearts towards God. Um, I know it's probably been a busy morning. I don't know what you went through to get here today. And so as we start off, I just want you to consider uh, focusing on the text and just letting God uh, meet you here. Uh, One of the ways that we say this is it's sort of like letting your soul catch up with your body, if anybody knows what that feels like. It's like my body's here, but I'm not fully present yet. And so I'm going to read this. This is Matthew chapter 7. This is in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is speaking about this different kind of kingdom, this different way of seeing the world and seeing ourselves. And, and, and and one thing about this text is, is this would have been memorized. The first century church, uh, they didn't have Bibles like we have. They would have had this text memorized, and, and they would have shared it verbally with one another and, and allowed it really just to kind of shape the way that they lived. And I just want you to know, these words are as relevant to us right here in 2020 as the day that Jesus said them. And so let's read this text as we start off today. It says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite? First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we start today? Jesus, thank you uh, for speaking to us. Thank you for meeting us here today, God, that uh, these words speak to us right now as much as they ever have. And so, God, we just need you to to change us and to show us uh, what our next step is, to to move forward as a a church, as a space not of judgment, but but of grace. God, thank you that you love us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 So glad that you guys are here with us today. And uh, let's welcome everybody who's with us online as well. Thank you. For those of you who are on Facebook Live, we love you. We're we're glad that you're with us. Uh, We are starting a brand new talk here today, a new series of talks uh, called Don't Judge Me. Don't Judge Me. So I just want to, with a show of hands real quick here, uh, who here has ever felt judged? Anybody? So everybody in the room, if your hand's down, we're judging you, right? So... uh, (laughs) Just kidding. So everybody here has felt judged before, and and we're only spending two weeks on this topic, and I want to start off by saying this. Uh, Come back next week for the second week. It's really important that you uh, actually walk through both sides of the coin when it comes 
to judgment. And I'm going to explain that a little bit deeper here in just a minute. And so uh, this, is a, this is maybe one of the most important conversations to ha- for us to have, especially as we walk into this political season. Uh, some of you have already lost your voice screaming at the TV during the political debates, and it's only going to get worse, okay? So uh, just bear with us and, and lean into this conversation about judgment, because we really believe that the church needs to change the way that we see the world. Um, one of the ways that the church is described often by the community or by people outside of the church is that it's a place of judgment. It's interesting that a place that should be known as grace is, is known as a place of judgment. And for many of our friends and neighbors, like you guys know that most of our city has no intention of coming to church today, right? Most of our city has no intention of getting out of bed and getting in the car and going to a place of worship. And for many of them, the way they would describe the church is, is a place of judgment, Instead of a place of grace. And so uh, we as ACF Church, we want to change the narrative, okay? We want to change the story that people think of the church. And so that's really what this series is all about. Um, I'll start with just kind of a little bit of a story. So uh, who's excited about summer? Anybody excited? Summer's coming. I know it's snowy outside, but it's going to be here in no time. I'm already doing this where I'm pulling out all my camping gear, my hunting gear, and I'm, I'm, I'm organizing things just to get myself ready for summer. Because when it hits in Alaska, you got three months, right? You got three months to experience, you know, our summer. And so uh, a couple of years ago, like we love going out to Kinnick River. Anybody been out there? You take your four-wheeler out, you do a little four-wheeler. You uh, do some fishing, and anybody can go out there. You can take your Honda Civic out to Connect River if you want to, right? Uh, it might get a little beat up, but anybody can go out there. And, and we were out uh, a couple of years ago. I took out uh, two of my kids, and we were just hanging out with some close friends of ours. And it was one of those perfect Alaska days. Like, you know the days that you're like, this is why I live here. This is why I put up with January, because Alaska is beautiful when it's beautiful. And, and it's just beautiful weather, and uh, they had a boat, and so we were running a boat up and down the river. We had a campfire going, and, and they were going to camp out there for a couple of days. We were just visiting them uh, for the day, and just a beautiful day of enjoying nature and enjoying each other. And as the evening got uh, moved on, it was a little bit later at night, I was like, all right, we need to get home. And so jumped in the Jeep, and, and I'm driving back home, and you know, it, it's, I'm tired, but it's a good tired, right? Like I'm a little sunburned. I'm worn out from just a day of having fun, and it was so fun to be out there. And I get home, and I I pull in the driveway, and, and, and my friend that we were hanging out with, he sends me, texts me a picture of uh, my daughter with his kids, and I thought, that's awesome. When did he take that picture? And I went inside the house, and you know, I go upstairs, and I pour myself a cup. You guys are ahead of me, so <laughs> slow down. So I pour myself a cup of coffee, and I'm sitting at the table reflecting on this amazing day, and then it clicked, right? I left my daughter at the beach <laughs> of the Kinnick River, so... 45 minutes back, go pick up my child, and um, you guys are laughing because many of you have been there, right? You've done something like, and here's the thing, I share that story because uh, anytime we share a parenting fail, uh, we, we actually split the crowd into two different groups, right? The first group says, you are not fit to be a parent, right? Um, which is probably true, I'll, I'll be honest. But the second group is like, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet, man. Like, give me five minutes. Or I'll make that look like nothing. I've done some crazy stuff as a parent. And why does this happen? Well, because we as parents, we can be a little judgmental sometimes, can't we? 
Like, like, like parents can be really, ju- you vaccinated your kids, right? Like that will draw a line uh, in the church, right? Let's not even bring it up. Uh, there's all kinds of things about how we parent and the way that we parent that brings up all kinds of judgmentalism. And so uh, this whole series is about the reality that we tend to judge. And I'm gonna, I want to cover two different definitions of judgment uh, over the next two weeks. And, and this week I'm covering this definition of judgment. It would be this. Judgment is a judicial determination of guilt. A judicial determination of guilt. Now, um, I don't know if you've ever been in front of a judge. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Um, but you guys are church people. You've never been in front of a judge. I'm sure you haven't. No, I think many of you probably have before, and you know that the judge makes a determination of your guilt or your innocence. And, and this is one definition of judgment. Next week, I'm talking about the second definition of judgment, and it's this. Judgment is a determination of right and wrong in order to care for ourselves and others. Now, another word to describe this type of judgment is discernment. Discernment. Both of these judgments need to be talked about. We need to understand the difference, right? Because this term, don't judge me, this is something that we say. People throw this around all the time. And let's be honest, it can be a total cop-out, right? Like, you're going 90 miles an hour down the Glen Highway, the the police officer pulls you over, he comes up to the window, and he's like, do you know that you were speeding? And you say, don't judge me. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Well, you were breaking the speed limit. It was was wrong, right? I mean, there are situations, like in our culture, this is a sexually charged culture that says, hey, don't don't tell me what I can do and can't do in my bedroom, right? Like, Like, don't judge me, and yet we here all would say that at some point, what happens in your bedroom does need to be uh, determined and, and talked about and maybe, maybe stopped, right? There's something that can happen behind closed doors that affects you in a negative way and other people in a negative way. And at some point, what we're doing is wrong, right? I mean, there is right and wrong still, isn't there? And so this don't judge me is, is kind of a way that we get out of that determination. We don't want somebody to look at what we're doing and say it's wrong, Right? I mean, it's, it's two in the morning, and my neighbor in the summer is running his chainsaw, right? And I can't go over to him and be like, bro, like, I got to wake up for work in the morning because I don't want to be judgmental, right? I want to tell him that he's wrong. And at some point, we got to figure out how to judge. And so essentially, this week is all about how not to judge, and next week is all about how to judge, which I know sounds really weird, but it's going to make more sense as we walk into it next week. So make sure you come back uh, for that. So this week, I want to start off with where did this kind of judgment begin? This idea that we would assume the role as judge, as, as the, the jury, as the one determining judicially whether somebody is innocent or guilty. And why do we do it? And I want to start off in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, This is the story. This is a creation story, right? So we've got Adam and Eve put in the garden. They're in this beautiful relationship with God, with each other. There's unity. There's security. There's peace. Uh, the, uh, The Hebrews used to call this peace shalom. It's a place of shalom, a place of peace with each other and with God. Connectivity, intimacy. All of these things that we all crave as humans, this is happening in the the original creation story. And so here's what we read in verse 15. It says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work 
it and keep it. So uh, just good news. Uh, in the perfect creation, there was work involved. So just know this. In eternity, there will be work as well. Work is a good thing, right? And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So they're in the garden. There's this perfect unity between each other uh, and them and God. And God says, I'm going to create a boundary for you. There's a, there's a line I do not want you to cross. So you can't cross this line. And that line was to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, people talk about what, what, what's the fruit? Like, is there something in the fruit that they ate? Or, like, what is it that, that messed everything up and created all of this sin? Like, we don't even know what kind of fruit it actually was. But we know that when they ate it, it would be a symbol of their defiance of God, right? I mean, I mean, we all, as parents, we've had kids, we've said, hey, don't touch that. And we know what it's like for a kid to go, right? It's a symbol of defiance, right? It's me defying you. And so eating of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, was essentially the moment that we as humans said, God, your, your judgment and you as judge, we don't want that. We want to be judged. We think we can do a better job of judging than you. We would like to be the ones who determine good and evil for ourselves. And we've been doing it ever since, Right? Uh, I love what Greg Boyd says about this. He says, our fundamental sin is that we place ourselves in the position of God and divide the world between what we judge to be good and what we judge to be evil. And this judgment is the primary thing that keeps us from doing the central thing that God created and saved us to do. Listen to this. Mainly, love like he loves. Like we're, we're called to love like God loves and the reason we can't do it is because we judge. Uh, judgment is the second most talked about sin in the New Testament. The first is unbelief, just to not acknowledge God or believe in God. The first is to be judgmental. And really, this is where sin begins, is where we sort of turn the world in upon ourselves, and we become judge. And so here's the big idea, if you've already tuned out, like focus here, eye contact for just a second. Here's the big idea for, for us today. Only when we stop judging people can we start loving people. If you leave with nothing else, leave with that. Only when we stop judging people can we start loving people. Our love for the world cannot coexist with our judgment of the world. They, they cannot work together at the same time. And so we have to start off with ourselves. And I want to spend a few minutes going inside of ourselves and considering what leads to judgmentalism. Like, why do we do this? Where does it actually come from? And I want to list a few things. The first is jealousy. Jealousy. It's this feeling of, I want what you have, and I don't like that you have it, and I don't. So because of that, I'm going to cast judgment on you. So jealousy causes judgment. Insecurity. This feeling that I'm not good enough, and so I don't like it when other people look good. So there might be somebody in your life that's succeeding, that's excelling, and so when they excel, you feel insecure, and so you cast judgment on them. Pride causes judgment, which is really self-righteousness, this feeling like, have you seen my life? Because I'm pretty awesome. I'm a really good person, and I'm a really good person because I work hard, because I take care of myself, because I make good decisions. Essentially, I am righteous because of myself. I am self-righteous. And in my self-righteousness, I like to judge people who are less righteous than me, right? 
Like, if I can do it, you can do it. Like, I've fixed myself. Why can't you fix yourself? It's pride in our lives. Fear. Fear causes judgmentalism. We're just scared. We're scared of what might happen if they get what they want. If this side of the party line gets what they want, right? And this whole political season is is one of the biggest reasons that we're talking about this for the next two weeks is, is because this tends to be a season of lots of judgment, right? I mean, it gets really divisive, and, and for many people, it's only going to get worse. And we really honestly believe that how you vote does not disqualify you from the love of God or the love of the church. And so I love ACF. We are, there's a lot of red and blue and, I don't know, like purple in ACF. There's a mixture of a lot of different things. And, and so we are from a lot of different places in here to be the family of God together, but that takes a lot of grace. So maybe it's just fear, like what somebody's doing or or saying and thinking is dangerous. We even do this in the church, like church people will judge other church people for what they're doing is dangerous. It's a slippery slope. You ever heard people say that before? What you're doing, it's a a slippery slope. Well, here's the thing. Jesus sort of lived his whole life on a slippery slope. Did you know that? Like hanging out with prostitutes and sinners and, you know, turning water into wine and, you know, giving that to a wedding party that already had too much to drink. Like Jesus sort of lived on a slippery slope. He did some dangerous-seeming things. So once again, we tend to judge people for that. Uh, Another way to define judgment is to ascribe worth to yourself at the expense of others. I think this really hits home. For me, it does. It's when I ascribe worth to myself. I value myself at a greater level because I have taken something from you. I've taken away some of your value to give me value. And so that really is judgment. Now, if you're here today and you're just kind of thinking about yourself, uh, you may not know, like, am I a judgmental person? Like, what does that actually look like in your life? How does it come out in life? Well, I think it comes out through a few things. First, we disconnect from relationships when we're judgmental. If you look at the past few years and you'd say, Brian, right now I don't have that many friends, but over the past few years, a lot of people have come in and out of my life there's a chance that you're a judgmental person. There's some things that have gone on, and because of that, you've created a boundary or a line in in your life between you and that other person, and and you don't want to fix it because you're judging them, right? They're they're doing something wrong. They are always the guilty party creating the problem. If you have a hard time encouraging other people, that means probably you're a judgmental person, right? Like, Like, I can't tell you great job at work because I want the accolades, Right? I can't encourage my siblings or my parents or my children or my friends because it makes me feel like less because I'm insecure. And and so in all of that, I'm judging them for their success or I'm unable to encourage them in their success. Um, Gossip is such a symptom of judgmentalism. It's the classic, the classic, uh, you know, church person going, hey, pray for Susie, and then we lay out all of Susie's junk, right? We tell everybody about it. It's the prayer request that's also known as gossip, right? And we're talking about things we have no business talking about because we want to pray for them, right? And so we're actually trying to create judgment on their lives. We might avoid people, give them the silent treatment, disassociate from people. We might try to impose justice on someone. I mean, that's one way to do it. Like, hey, what they're doing is wrong. I don't know if they're actually going to get in trouble for it or they're ever going to find out. And so I'm actually going to manipulate the situation to impose judgment upon them so they feel how bad what they're doing is. 
So this is all symptoms of judgmentalism. And I think about the life of Christ, like Jesus was judged. Let's start with that. Jesus got a lot of judgment. He lost all his friends. In the end, they all walked away from him, right? There was stories floating around, gossip uh, amongst the, the different people in the community, right? And in the end, it was the religious people who killed Jesus. Think about that. I mean, consider that. 2,000 years ago, it wasn't the godless that judged and killed Jesus. It was the religious people. And the religious people have been doing it ever since. Judging. And removing worth and value from people that God created in his image. And and I don't want to be too hard on church people, because we're all church people today. Even if you're not a Christian, you're at church. So... um, But even if you're not a Christian and you're here and you're like, thank God I'm not part of that whole hypocritical thing. Well, everybody judges. Can we be honest about that? Like, I'm not going to do a raise of hands, but we all would say, yep, I've been judgmental about someone before, right? I mean, you don't have to be in the church. In fact, a few years ago, we uh, started doing an outreach event uh, that we call the Gas Buy-Down And it's just a way that we serve our community. We want to be the kind of church that if we ever disappeared, our community would miss us. And and so we we started serving our community. Just we do these things all of the time. And and, and the idea was that we would buy down the price of gas by 50 cents a gallon. And whenever we do this, by the way, it is a a crazy show here in Eagle River. It's just like cars coming from everywhere, people driving from South Anchorage and the valley. And I mean, people will do whatever it takes to get 50 cents off. A gallon, and so we're out there serving people and just washing their windows and encouraging them, and and people are waiting in line for hours sometimes. And so I just remember this guy in this this old beat up car. He pulls up to the gas pump and he opens in his window. He's got this angry look on his face, and he he uh, he yells out at one of our volunteers. He goes, "Hey, wait a minute! Is this a church?" And uh, she's like, yeah, this is a church. And he goes, I'm not giving my money to no church. And he peels off into the road. And she's like, we're trying to give you money. Come back. You know? And, but he's like, I don't want anything to do with this whole thing. You know? But I, I, we're all guilty to some level of judging others. I love what James, the brother of Jesus, has to say about this. He says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge, whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. Did you hear that? The lawgiver is the judge. Are we the lawgiver? No. God alone, who is the lawgiver, he is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? It's a great question. What right do we feel like we have? Because we do feel like we have a right. I mean, why else would we judge someone if we didn't think that we actually had a right to do so? That we were in authority? Because to be the judge means you're in a position of authority to do so, right? So we feel that we have uh, been empowered somehow to be the judge of other people that are around us. And this word judgment, it comes from the Greek word krino, which means to separate, to create separation. Which is literally what we're doing when we judge is we create a separation between us and them, right? It's the classic, like, I mean, here is a universal, uh, I guess, symbol of judgment. Is if you sit down next to somebody, and they're right here, and you're right here, and they do the whole, 
and they move a seat over, don't you feel a little bit like, what's, what's wrong with me, right? Like, I'm not putting deodorant on this morning. Like, why are you judging me? What is, it, what is it about me that you're creating separation between me and you? But that's really what judgment is, the act of creating separation between us and others. And this is really what happened in this story in Genesis where mankind creates separation between each other and them and God, right? So that was the moment that they, they became judged, that we as humans became judged. We created separation between us and God. And in that, we separated ourselves from security, from shalom, right? From peace within ourselves and with God, from intimacy with God and intimacy with each other. It's true intimacy, security, safety, sonship, all of these things that we have in Jesus. And yet through judgment, we ourselves created this separation between us and God. For Israel, this is always, you know, the the story that we read is the journey that they went on of trusting God's law and and following God faithfully. And then at some point they would feel self-sufficient. They'd feel like, well, now we can act as judge of good and evil and right and wrong. And they would wander into worshiping idols and separating themselves from what God actually said was good. And, And then over time they would watch their society disintegrate, the relationships disintegrate, They'd see evil find its way in and they'd cry out to God, God, we are terrible judges. Would you come in and would you save us? Would you show us a better way? And I, when I read that, I'm like, man, this is my life. I do this all the time, right? Like I don't want what God says is best for me. Or, and I don't want to stay away from the things that he says aren't good for me. And then I find myself in a mess and at that point I go, God, I throw my hands up and say, I'm a terrible judge. Would you come in? Would you show me good from evil and right from wrong. Deuteronomy 38.18 says this to Israel, you destroyed the rock or deserted the rock your father who, who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. So you forgot who you were created by. You forgot the rock of your life, the foundation of your life, and you wandered away from him. And so I really believe that we are continuing in this legacy that I, I want to I see us change it. Can we change this today? I think we as a church can actually change the way the church is seen in our city. That when people think of the church, whether it be ACF or any church, they think of people of grace. I mean, we talk about that a lot. That is our, our vision, that we would amplify the grace of Jesus to the churched and the unchurched and the dechurched, And that that would be what we're known for in the community. So back to Jesus' words in uh, Matthew 7. Here we go. He says this. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So essentially, Jesus is saying this. He's saying, judge others the way you want to be judged. That's what he's saying. Judge others the way you want to be judged. So here's the question. How do you want to be judged? What does it look like? Because you're going to be judged, right? Everybody's going to have judgment cast upon them. So the question is, how do you want to be judged? Well, a few things when I think of that. First, I would want you to know my whole story. Have you ever had somebody judge you and they don't know your whole story? They, they don't know anything about you. They just know like what they saw when you were at the grocery store and your kid was freaking out and you know, throwing cans of peas on the floor and you lost your temper a little bit. And like, they're like, what a terrible parent. And you're thinking, you have no idea. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what this morning looked like, right? I mean, you have no idea what I had to clean up off the carpet today. Like, you have no clue 
what the whole story is. You get this sliver of a moment and you think you can judge me. So I would say this, if you're going to judge me, I'd love for you to know my whole story, where I've come from, where I'm going. And in that, if I'm going to be judged, I would want you to know my journey. So not just like my story, but also how far have I come? And we're terrible about this sometimes. Like we see something in somebody's life and we're like, hey, that's a little jacked up. And we're thinking, well, not as jacked up as it used to be, right? Like you have no idea how far I've come in life. And we see this like in church all the time where we call people out and we're like, man, that's pretty messed up. And this person has come so far to where they are. Like I I love our lobby. Like I hear some interesting things in our lobby. There's some colorful language that happens in the ACF church lobby. I'm just throwing that out there. And you might be like, you let th- those kind of people in church? And I'm like, you have no idea how far people have come, right? I mean, a slip of the tongue does not mean that somebody doesn't belong in the family of God. I mean, am I right? So, so we have to know that people are on a journey. You see somebody smoking in the front or vaping in their car or at church. I'm like, they're at church. Don't judge them, right? We're grateful that people are here. Wherever you're at in the journey, just some of us here, we don't get judged because we hide our sin better. Right? We leave it in our house. We, we, it happens behind closed doors. And so our stuff is terrible, but we don't get judgment for it because we do a really good job of keeping it a secret. And so once again, how do you want to be judged? I want you to know my whole story. I want you to know the journey. I also want you to see the good in my life. If you're going to judge me for the things that are wrong, and, and you might be absolutely right that this part of my life is wrong and that I made a mistake in this one area, but, but also I want you to see that there's good. There's things that I've done that I've been a part of that actually do show love for other people and and do honor God and and things in my life that are good. And so I want you to see the whole story, the whole picture, if you're going to judge me. As I think about how we judge, um, we we can be pretty harsh sometimes. And I would say the places that we are most harsh in our judgment of other people are in two specific areas. And the first area is that we tend to judge people harshest in the areas where we've had the most victory. So think about in your life, where have you come a long ways, right? Like maybe you were an angry person and you used to lash out and you just like, you know, use words to tear people down and rip them up one side and down the other. And so as you've moved through life, you've learned to manage your anger better. Well, there could be a tendency for you to judge someone who hasn't done as good of a job as you have. Like we can be harshest towards those people. If you're here today and you are an alcoholic and today you have victory in this area, you've given it up. You knew that it was going to steal your life and steal your marriage and steal your family. And so you've moved on forward in that. The tendency would be to judge someone who is not as far down the road as you are. To say, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. If I can move on, then you can move on. And so to, to cast judgment on those people who don't have the victory that we have. The second area that I would say we're harshest in judgment is in the areas where we are weakest. Because do you know that nobody has radar for that weakness like you do? Because you're weak in that area. So you can sniff out somebody who's a manipulator, who's a liar, who's cheating, right? You can sniff that out because you know you're weak in that area. And then our tendency is to judge that person the harshest. Because they are weak where we are weak. And honestly, they're a mirror for us. They make us feel bad about our own sin, right? And so we judge other people who are weakest in the areas that we are weak. So then Jesus moves on and uh, he gets kind of funny 
Uh, I don't think we think of Jesus as being funny, but he was really funny. I think Jesus laughed a lot. I think the disciples laughed a lot. This is Jesus using a little bit of irony and humor in his sermon. He says this, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? That's funny. Like, you're not laughing, but it's funny. Jesus is making a joke. And when you understand what he's saying, like when he says a speck, literally what he's talking about is a little dry piece of wood. Like I was building some shelves in my garage this weekend, and, and as I'm cutting wood, a little sawdust gets in my eye, and so I'm doing one of these, right? A little sawdust in my eye. And so Jesus is like, hey, when you see that, you're like, ha! See it. See the speck in your eye. And then he says, but you, you have a log in your own eye. And this word is literally translated as a load-bearing beam. Like, I want you to look up real quick. So... On each side of the room here are two massive glue lambs. If you're online, you can imagine these six-foot-tall, massive, 60-foot-long glue lambs, these big beams. And when we had the earthquake uh, here, we had to do a bunch of engineering on the building, and they wanted to make sure more than anything that these two beams were solid, right? Because these are load-bearing beams. These, it's not just a, a log or, or a stick, I mean, this is a load-bearing beam. The reason is because if one of these comes down, the whole building comes down. I mean, everything collapses. So Jesus is literally saying, somebody has a speck in their lives, a speck in their eye, and you actually have something that is so big in your life that it could make the whole house crumble. The whole house is going to fall down because of what's in your life but you notice what's going on in somebody else's life while you've got this 60-foot glue lamb sticking out of your face. And you're like, hey, you're scratching your eye. You've got a speck in your eye. I think what he's saying is that we tend to minimize our sin and maximize others. Do you know that? I mean, can we be real on that? Like, we tend to minimize our sin and maximize the sin of others. Again, we know very little about the story. We know very little about the journey that they've been on. And even what we do know isn't complete. Why? Because we're not God. We don't see what God sees. We don't know what God knows. And so as we own the role of being the the, the judicial servant, the one serving justice to other people, we have to know that we're going to do that in a flawed way. It's not complete so we tend to minimize our sin and maximize others. And again, that's, that's when we start uh, enacting justice. That's when the rumors begin. That's when we start to gossip is when we minimize our sin and maximize others. We might even take joy in the gossip, joy in tearing down somebody else, right? I remember a few years ago when we moved into this building as a church, um, it was actually about 10 years ago, and the church started growing, and there's all kinds of uh, just exciting things going on, but um, even amongst the Christian community in Eagle River, there were some rumors being spread about ACF, like, what's going on in that building, you know, what are they doing over there, and um, we, we heard one day, at this point I was a worship leader, and then we had another pastor, um, the, the senior pastor on staff, Pastor Rod, and we heard a rumor that was floating around that the senior pastor had an affair with another staff member. Here's the only problem. I was the only other staff member. (laughs) 
So we're in the office one day. This still cracks me up. And we're looking, at, looking across the table at each other at staff meeting. It's like him and I. We're like, well, I like you, bro, but not that much. Like, this is not going on. And so it's just so funny that I'm like, how could this be floating around? But people say ridiculous things when they want to tear you down. I mean, and we've done it too. We've all done it. We've all been guilty of saying things that are ridiculous because it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves, right? Once again, only when we stop judging people can we start loving people. Our love and our judgment cannot coexist. We cannot love other Christians, people who disagree with us, uh, people in the church, people outside of the church, if we are continuing to own the role that God deserves to own. Verse 5, Jesus then gets pretty intense, and it's supposed to be intense. And so um, I just want us to receive this today, okay? So for us, ACF Church, because we've all been judgmental and we've been judged, let's receive this. Jesus says, you hypocrite. We've been hypocrites. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So we're going to talk more next week about what it means to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. Like that Jesus says that there is a point where you can see clearly enough to do that out of love for someone else. And so I'll I'll end with this, that self-awareness opens us up and opens our hearts to love others. Self-awareness opens our hearts to love. That's really where this is at. When we know who we are, we know where we've come from, we can actually help someone else. Until then, we are of no help at all. Until you're self-aware and you know um, the depravity in your own life, you will be of no help in somebody else's life. Uh, You can't be a reformer until you've been reformed, right? You can't teach other people to love better until you first love better. I mean, you can't change the world until you first have been changed. And this is really what it means to be self-aware, to know who we are, to acknowledge, like, our life is its own special kind of mess, you know? My life is its own special kind of mess. And the reality is, um, when we start there, we can love other people. Like, I'll start with this. I don't deserve to be a pastor. Just like you don't deserve to be sitting in this room today. None of us do. And as we start there, we can look at the person next to us and say, we're in this together. Like, here we are. We're in this thing together. We're both part of this family, desperately in need of grace. And none of us deserve to be here. Romans 2.1 says this, Therefore you have no excuses, O man, every one of you who judges for in passing judgment on another, listen to this, you condemn yourself. Man. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Now we typically think that our version of the sin we see in them is not quite as bad but we read right here that it is. I mean, it may be different. It may be more hidden. The impact might be less on the people around you, but we practice the very same things. And so here's my confession, big confession time at church. I'm just gonna throw this out there. If you leave your grocery cart in the parking lot of the grocery store, I tend to judge you. So I'm just, I feel so good throwing it out there. Forgive me for that. I'm being changed by Jesus. So I tend to judge people who put their groceries in the car and just leave the cart in the parking lot. So 
the other day, I'm like walking through the grocery store with Amanda and I pick up a bag of chips. I love these jalapeno you know, kettle chips. And so the problem is we're eating keto and trying to eat on a better diet. She's like, you don't need those chips. So I remember like, I've got the chips in my hand. We're walking around and I like, I set them down like next to the organic kale in the store. And she's like, how do you sleep at night? Right. And I, I kid you not, I said this, I said, don't they pay people to put that back? And she's like, oh my gosh, you're doing the same thing, right? Like I'm judging people who have a speck in their eye and I've got this like jalapeno kettle log in my own eye. And we're all guilty of it. He says, you're guilty of doing the very same things that you judge other people for. So stop judging them and start loving them. And this is the only way for us to live as God's church. It's the only way for us to change the narrative that people believe about the church. And so let's take some next steps here. This is uh, our action card. Would you pull this off the seat? Um, let's just walk through this real quick. In the end, once again, we want to take next steps as a church. Uh, in, in the end, if you don't do anything with this message, you leave church today and nothing changes. You just wasted an hour of your life. We want to do something with the word and let it change us. The first is maybe for you today to surrender your heart to Jesus for the first time. Uh, maybe you always think of God as someone who is wagging his finger at you, telling you how bad you are. I want you to change your image of God to see Jesus. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Essentially, Jesus is the picture that we need to look to, to to, to identify what God looks like. God looks like Jesus, crucified, bleeding for you, and resurrected so that you might have a resurrected life. And so God loves you. He loves you if you've been judged, and he loves you if you are judging. And he wants to meet you. And so uh, maybe for you today that you just need to take that first step and we want to celebrate that with you. Uh, that's huge. Maybe check that box. Maybe for you today, your next step is to ask someone to forgive me for judging them. Maybe at church today, you know exactly who that is. There's been a barrier in a relationship. There's been a disconnect. You've avoided them. You haven't wanted to deal with them because they did something that you judged and now it's broken the relationship. And so maybe by the end of today, you just send a text, you make the phone call, you have the conversation to say, I am so sorry for breaking our relationship because I judged you and I need as much grace as you do. So maybe that's your next step. Maybe you need to get to know the type of person you tend to judge. Who is it? What's the type once again, is it, is, it, is it a political thing? Like how they vote is how I judge? Is it, is it an ethnic thing? Is there certain ethnicities that you might judge? I mean, it could be anything. Is it how they look? Is it how they dress? Is it the music they listen to? How, how do you judge people? What if you got to know that person? You might find that you love them. You might find that they're pretty incredible. And here's a courageous one. Maybe every morning this week, you would ask God to show you the severity of your sin and the greatness of his grace. That is a dangerous prayer. Can you imagine waking up tomorrow morning? God, I want to see the severity of my sin. I want to see the ugliness of it, but not just that. I want to see how good you are to me despite it. And I promise you that if you let God do that in your heart, you will begin to love people that you thought you could never love. And that's the kind of church we want to be. So would you stand up? You can drop this in the basket uh, as we pass the offering at the end of service. And I'd love to text you some encouragement this week just to, to move forward in these areas. But 
Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much that you are a good judge. You're a good judge. Because you don't only judge us, God, you also provide a way out. And that way is Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are both judge and the solution to our sin. And so, God, I pray that we would simply receive that today. Uh, Forgive us. God, we are all guilty of this to one degree or another. Forgive us for judging others, for looking down upon people who you died for, who you would give your life for. Help us to first see the severity of our sin. God, we can't believe that you love us for who we are. We can't believe that you know those closed door sins, those things that nobody else knows about. And God, you love us desperately. So may we receive that in such a way that we can't help but give it away to others. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.